Welcome to the Arlington Street Church podcast. Founded in 1729, Arlington Street continues today as a gathering place for progressive people of faith in the greater Boston area and beyond. We are located at the corner of Arlington and Boylston Streets, across from the Public Garden in Boston, Massachusetts. Please visit ASCBoston.org for more information about this historic Unitarian Universalist congregation. Arlington Street Church, gathered in love and service for justice and peace. On Friday, May 16, 1969, the author and civil rights leader, James Baldwin, was a guest on The Dick Cavett Show, which at that time was a daytime talk show on ABC. At that point, his friends, the Reverend Martin Luther King Jr., Malcolm X, and Medgar Evers had all been assassinated, and Ronald Reagan was serving his first term as the governor of California. In fact, just the day before, Reagan had suppressed student protesters in Berkeley by dispatching the California Highway Patrol, and he would later send 2,000 National Guard there as well. A good portion of this interview has been posted recently on YouTube. In one segment, Dick Cavett asked Mr. Baldwin, and I'm paraphrasing here, why aren't black people in the United States more optimistic? To our 2020 ears, the microaggression in the question is obvious. In his reply, you can hear that Baldwin understood that. He first mentions how the language used to refer to black Americans is dehumanizing, and reason alone for giving up hope. He also questions whether stereotypes of happy slaves might be an underlying assumption of the question being asked. His response is spontaneous, but you can tell he's thought about these questions for years. He goes on to make the main point of his response, which we will listen to now in his own voice. I don't want to be given anything by you. Mm-hmm. I just want you to leave me alone so I can do it myself. And it also overlooks another very important thing. Perhaps I don't think that this republic is a summit of human civilization. Perhaps I don't want to become like Ronald Reagan or like the president of General Motors. Perhaps I have another sense of life, which in fact my situation here has forced me to trust. And perhaps I know more about you and your institutions than you know about me. And perhaps I have a judgment on them. Perhaps I don't want what you think I want. And if there's nothing you can give me, perhaps there is something that I can give you. I'm going to repeat his words back to you because I know the quality of the audio from this television broadcast from over 50 years ago has suffered as it's made its transition to life in the 21st century. And I'm also repeating them because it is really important for us to hear today what James Baldwin is saying. I don't want to be given anything by you. I just want you to leave me alone so I can do it myself. Perhaps I don't think that this republic is the summit of human civilization. Perhaps I don't want to become like Ronald Reagan or like the president of General Motors. 
Perhaps I have another sense of life, which in fact, my situation here has forced me to trust. Perhaps I know more about you and your institutions than you know about me. And perhaps I have a judgment on them. Perhaps I don't want what you think I want, and there's nothing you can give me. Perhaps there's something I can give you. This video was posted about a week before the publishing of the book, Begin Again, James Baldwin's America and its Urgent Lessons for Our Own, written by Professor Eddie S. Glaude, Jr. This book shows Baldwin's writings continue to resonate strongly today and is the latest chapter of a Baldwin revival that has been building since 2014. Dr. Cornell West describes the book as follows. In the midst of an ugly regime and a beautiful Baldwin revival, Eddie Glaude has plunged to the profound depths and risen to the sublime heights of Baldwin's prophetic challenge to our present day crisis. With subtle brilliance and heartfelt tears, Glaude breaks bread with Baldwin in order to give us courage and hope. I can't do this book justice in a 15 minute sermon, but with summer drawing to a close, I'm hopeful that those of you who are interested will join me in reading this book during the fall in an online book club here on Arlington Street's Zoom room. In a few minutes, I'm gonna rely on another video where you can hear a bit more from Cornell West about why this book is so important. But before doing that, I wanna share a concept introduced by Bell Hooks in her book, All About Love, published 20 years ago. She refers to the concept with the term love ethic. She first explains why a love ethic is important she states the following. Refusal to stand up for what you believe in weakens individual morality and ethics, as well as those of the culture. Cultures of domination rely on the cultivation of fear as a way to ensure obedience. In our society, we make much of love and say little about fear. Yet, we are all terribly afraid most of the time. As a culture, we are obsessed with the notion of safety. Yet, we do not question why we live in states of extreme anxiety and dread. Fear is the primary force upholding structures of domination. It promotes the desire for separation, the desire not to be known. When we are taught that safety lies always with sameness, then difference of any kind will appear as a threat. When we choose to love, we choose to move against fear, against alienation and separation. The choice to love is a choice to connect, to find ourselves in the other. It's important to note that she defines love as the will to nurture our own or another's spiritual growth. She goes on to explain, commitment to a love ethic transforms our lives by offering us a different set of values to love by. In large and small ways, we make choices based on a belief that honesty, openness, 
and personal integrity need to be expressed in public and private decisions. She continues, I know no one who has embraced a love ethic whose life has not become more joyous and more fulfilling. The widespread assumption that ethical behavior takes the fun out of life is false. In actuality, living ethically ensures that relationships in our lives, including encounters with strangers, nurture our spiritual growth. Seven weeks ago, on July 1st, Haymarket Books streamed a live interview with Eddie Glaude and Cornell West. The 90-minute interview was conducted by poet, writer, and editor Maya Marshall. We're going to watch about five minutes of this interview, during which they discuss the main lessons for us today that we can learn by looking at the life of James Baldwin. And see what you have in, in this text, and I, the people have. A, I want people to see what it looks like. <laughs> see what it looks like. See what you have in this text is the way in which you attempt to regenerate and revitalize the greatness of a tradition mm. of black intellectuals or any intellectuals concerned about black doings and suffering. So he begins with Baldwin talking about the end of his life. Mm -hmm. This is how this is where hope comes from. I've tried to do my work, he says to my brother. I hope somebody will find when they dig in the wreckage and the rubbles and the ruins something that could be of use to them. Yes. To find the best of me. This is what we have in this text. That's why there's there's a line that there's so many lines in Jimmy mm. that blew that, that will blow you away. But there's a moment in Istanbul, he's being interviewed uh, by Ebony. Um, and he uses Begin Again, and, and Baldwin is sitting there. And it's 1970, I think. And, and the interviewer asks him, what then about hope? Because oh, yeah. Baldwin retreats. This is on page 145 in the text. I remember. I remember that. Right, remember Baldwin retreats. I remember retreats exactly Istanbul what he said. He, I remember what he what said. Did he say, what did he say? He said, hope must be invented every day. Every day. He invented every day. Is that right? That's right. Oh, you see, that's our tradition, brother. That's our tradition. That's now. our tradition. Now, hope is not abstract. It's a verb. It's motion. It's movement. It's deep, it's praxis, and you got to be improvisational about it. You got to be jazz-like about it. You got to be blues-like about it. You better reinvent that thing every day. Good morning, heartache. I got to reinvent my fortifying resources to deal with that heartache, and it's going to come back the next day. Exactly. It's going to come back the next day. It's going to come back the next day. You get Billy Holiday echoing through with her genius, Baldwin right there. And the Baldwin, of course, he, he understands musicians mean the world to him. Absolutely. Oh, but that's that's yes. So I was thinking about that line as an answer to Maya. Mm -hmm. in, in the face of the assassination of Dr. King, mm -hmm. where they murdered an apostle of love, huh. and Jimmy collapses, could barely pick up the pieces, yeah. tries to commit suicide in 69, Mm -hmm. has to find, you know, relationships collapsing around him, still thinks he's this loveless child who's ugly because his daddy told him 
he was so ugly that he then believed that nobody could love that ugly little boy. Mm -hmm. Finds himself in Istanbul trying to figure out how to speak to this moment. And there he gives utterance to this line, this formulation that Doc just laid out. Hope is invented every day. Every day. Mm -hmm. No, that's, that's real though, brother. What a necessary practice, what a necessary practice that we in fact are the hope, you know, it is, it is our commitment to, um, to showing up. That is the hope, that is the model, that is uh, the practice of witness. And he was just so right so often. Even and in see, the Sister Maya, all the courage and risk and willingness to be crushed and misunderstood and misconstrued and thoroughly uh, uh, push to the fringes and still have that kind of bounce back. See, that's it. That's the mm, raw that's stuff. It. You see what I mean? That's, that's the it. stuff. You see, so that uh, you know the, what we have in Brother Eddie's book here in the middle of a, a blues-like situation in the U.S. Empire. He's saying, "Well, you know, we blues people. This ain't new for us. We've been here before." Not this particular historical moment, but similar kinds of moments. And it's a human thing. It's not just a black thing, because black folk are human beings, presupposed, assumed, don't have to prove nothing to nobody. That's and yet we right. still have to learn how to love and fight and hope and laugh in our families with our mamas and our daddies and our mosques and our temples and our synagogues and our churches in our universities. Bell Hooks would agree with them when she wrote, to live our lives based on the principles of a love ethic, showing care, respect, knowledge, integrity, and the will to cooperate, we have to be courageous. In the reading that we used for the chalice lighting this morning, John Lewis gave us a three-part charge. The first was to study the path of others. The second was to hold love in our hearts. James Baldwin and Bell Hooks point us towards finding the wellsprings of love and hope. The third part of John Lewis's charge was to be, was to not be afraid to stand up, speak up, and speak out against injustice. Having love as the basis for seeking justice in the world can make it easier to ensure accountability accountability with each other, accountability within our organizations and institutions, and accountability from our political leaders. I'd like to spend the last few minutes with you this morning giving you an update on some work being done within the Unitarian Universalist Association. As reported in UU World in 2017, a hiring decision that March of a white male minister to a regional leadership position within the Unitarian Universal Association, an organization in which almost all the top staff positions were held by white people, has sparked, had sparked controversy over whether the UUA was living its stated racial justice values. By the end of April, a denomination-wide white supremacy teach-in had taken shape, and over 700 congregations participated, including our own. Asia Hauser, who helped light our chalice this morning, 
was one of the religious education professionals who organized that teaching. A couple months later, in June 2017, at the New Orleans General Assembly, the UUA Board of Trustees announced and chartered the Commission on Institutional Change. The charge given was to conduct an audit of the power structures and analyze systemic racism and white supremacy culture within the UUA. And three years later, in June of this year, that commission has issued its final report titled Widening the Circle of Concern, which contains many recommendations and takeaways for UUA leadership, congregations, and for us as individuals. We'll post a link in the chat where you can find more information on this report. There are other ways that Unitarian Universalists across the country continue to fight against injustice. The congregation in Portland, Oregon has joined the lawsuit over federal agents at Black Lives Matter protests. UU The Vote continues to bring faith, love, and action to electoral justice at this important time. And the Unitarian Universalist Service Committee continues important work protecting human rights on many fronts. Even in these times of pandemic, all these efforts continue. I'll leave you this morning with words from Bell Hooks. Learning how to face our fears is one way we embrace love. Our fear may not go away, but it will not stand in the way. Those of us who have already chosen to embrace a love ethic, allowing it to govern and inform how we think and act, know that when we let our light shine, we draw to us and are drawn to other bearers of light. We are not alone. My spiritual companions, may we live up to John Lewis's charge of us by learning from the lives of others, learning how to live with love in our heart, and not being afraid to stand up, speak up, and speak out against injustice in our world. Amen, ashe, and blessed be. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We would love to hear from you via email at office at ASCBoston.org or through our Facebook page. If you would like to support the good work of Arlington Street Church, please consider a contribution by checking the mail or through our website, ASCBoston.org.